It's the All-Star break. Rowdy was just talking about it, right? We've got the Home Run Derby tonight. We have the MLB All-Star game tomorrow. We have Corbin Burns and Devin Williams going uh, to Seattle to T-Mobile Park. I was listening to the game on the radio yesterday. Devin Williams came in and shut it down. A one nothing win. Hey, Kinger, who hates on Wade Miley. How about that performance from Wade Miley yesterday? Yeah, season high in strikeouts, 8Ks. Take that, Wade Miley haters. Well, yeah, what a game. And then it was Christian Yelich extending his uh, his hitting streak to nine games. Nine. Uh, he got on, and then what it was, um, was it a Winker? Yep. Yeah, Winker driving him in. So the Brewers, and Yelly talked about it after the game. It was just very rare to win these one nothing games. I feel like what's, the Brewers have been doing that all season, though, when they win a game, it's by, like, a run. Yeah. But, yeah, Brewers get a win and a series win over the Reds as they enter into the All-Star break. Boys, as it is the All-Star break, how have the first half of the Milwaukee Brewers gone for you? Above expectations, below, right there, with the, all the injuries, everything considered, they're one game out of first place in the NL Central. Going to get some guys back and be healthier. How have we fared with uh, our fanfare of the Brewers? Well, before the season started, uh, RJ sent out an email to everybody that, or I think a lot of people that worked at the office, and you got to make a Brewers prediction. So... I got back to RJ, said I'd get in the pool, and gave him a prediction of 87 wins for the Milwaukee Brewers this year. Yeah. They're currently on pace for 87 wins. Ooh, now, Rowdy. This, right is, there. this is not exactly how I saw it going. I thought that, obviously, the pitching staff would be much more healthier. I thought that we would probably, uh, you know, see a little bit more from Bryce Terang, and unfortunately... Uh, Garrett Mitchell, but can't do anything about injuries. I didn't think we would be seeing Joey Weimer. Like no. there's been so many injuries that uh, it's kind of it's kind of crazy that uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are where they are. That being said, though, I don't think anybody saw the Cincinnati Reds potentially being as good as they have been, especially the last month. And I don't think anybody. And I mean anybody saw the Cardinals being the third Dude. worst team in the National League. No, they are mm-hmm. stinky. So I guess do you think that kind of the injuries for the Milwaukee Brewers and the lack of good seasons from the Willie Adamases so far, the Rowdy Telezes, uh, and, and like I said, the injuries, do you think that that kind of balances out the fact that um, the Central has overall been pretty bad yeah. and the Cardinals have been way worse than expected? Because I think everybody figured going into this year that Cincinnati and Pittsburgh would be fighting it out for last two teams that were rebuilding that weren't going to be competing. Chicago would be a middling team. That's like, you know, another week, a year away from continuing to add in the off season and make trades like at the deadline. And then it was the Cardinals and Brewers that would going to be in the hunt for the division. I, I do we think that that's maybe a little bit of a counterbalance because of how bad the Cardinals are. It's like the Brewers don't have a bigger lead because of all the injuries. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. so could, is it going to get better than in the second half of the season? Are the Brewers going to get healthier? Are the Brewers going to sell? I don't know. I'm probably. I'm watching. <laughs> I watched probably over the last week and a half. I've probably watched about three, three to four Reds games. Yeah, because obviously, oh, you want to know what's some BS? By the way, remember how I said on Sunday afternoons for home games, I've been getting Uh-oh. pretty used to uh, Telemundo. Telemundo. Uh, I guess the Spanish speaking station oh, no. prefers to watch um, Spanish or was it Mexican? It was it was um, not the Milwaukee Brewers. It was a soccer game. Oh, oh it is Gold Cup. Was yeah, Mexico, it was a Gold Cup. Was, was a gold I don't Cup remember game? what league it was, yeah, but it was gold they Cup. were clearly it's speaking. Yeah. It was probably Spanish. Gold Cup. Yeah. Was it was it say Mexico playing? I I wasn't paying that. I realized it was soccer and go, you're kidding me, and then flicked it right off. I would I'm just gonna go on a limb and say not actually, but flick the Cause, channel. Because USA <laughs> when 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 was this? Saturday? Yes, Sunday. Yeah, yesterday. Yes, Sunday. Oh no. Because Mexico played Costa Rica on the eighth. Well, there was definitely a game going. Well, it could have been a replay. And whatever it was, it was not the Brewer game, so I was a little um, disappointed uh, in Telemundo. Wisconsin Telemundo. Oh, I could have been a Women's this. World Cup. I, I think there were women on the screen. Yep. There we go. 
Man, but well, yeah, they man. chose soccer over the Brewers, so um, that was disappointing. Anyways, <laughs> I've watched like three Reds games here in the last week or so. They've been balling, and I mean, yeah, what are the national headlines? Ellie De La Cruz stealing second, stealing third, and then stealing home. Um, God, I also want to mention that. Brian Anderson wasn't paying attention no. when he stole third. So chalk that up to a mental error on the Brewers' third baseman. And then Elvis Piguero wasn't was paying any effing attention when he had the ball walking around the mound when he stole home. So chalk that one up to Elvis Piguero. And two out of those three stolen bases were the Brewers literally falling asleep, looking like a Bad News Bears Little League team. Yeah, that was, that was down, just kicking the same. A collection of no walk. one giving a crap or paying attention to anything. They're just like, ho-hum. Well, that's the thing. It's like, okay, well, clearly L.A. De La Cruz had to make the play, and he, and he had to be fast, and he, I get it. But there were so many people like, oh, look at what he did, and it was like, he didn't have like a a straight steal of home. It's not like know, Elvis, pretty cool. It's not like Elvis Piguero was like in you know in the stretch and taking forever. And and De La Cruz swipes home like you're you're thinking it's the Brewers just lost all common sense yeah. and weren't paying any attention again. I know, it's pretty cool. This is something guys still got to do it. This is something that you would see in Little League in Babe Ruth or if someone is really good and the other team isn't. In high school, you don't see this at the professional level because they're professionals, and the Brewers forgot who they were for an inning. Yeah, in fact, they hadn't seen it since 1920. Uh, that's the last time that it happened. It was it was a really cool play. Um, it was really cool for baseball. It was awesome to see. Did the Brewers not pay attention? Yeah, that's why the play happened, mm-hmm. and the guy was smart enough to capitalize on but it. But how do you? How that's do why you it was go cool. from Brian Anderson not paying attention to hey this dude stealing you got to cover third base to the very next time. It's the same inning. And then the pitcher falls asleep. And you wonder why fans are falling asleep. So, okay, I'm glad you bring that up because I want to talk good to the game yesterday. But real quick on Ali De La Cruz, uh, he's, let's see here. In the wake of yesterday's stolen base bonanza, this is from Sunday. <laughs> De La Cruz has already become the only player in Major League Baseball history with 40 hits and 15 stolen bases in their first 30 games. Dude's pretty good. And that's right around that month, that month where it's like a lot of times uh, these pitchers and these teams start to get books on some of these younger players that have come up as relatively unknowns. Not saying that Ellie De La Cruz was a relatively unknown as he was one of the top prospects in baseball, but uh, he looks like someone that's probably here to stay. Like he doesn't look like someone that yeah, uh, a flash. Yeah, that all of a sudden is going to hit. I don't know, like a buck sixty in the month of July or yeah. or whatever. But yeah, it looks like some of these Reds prospects. Now that they've been here for about that month span, some hopefully start to take a step back, but it really does look like some of these young Reds are here to be good players, yeah, they're, uh, which is kind of scary. 10 games under 500 in early June, and then they called up De La Cruz, and now they're, what, 9, 10 games up? Of 500, one game leading but the But it's still, what place. do you believe in? Do you believe in the, you know, grizzled veterans that are the Milwaukee Brewers that have guys that have been there and done that, that just need to get healthy or it feels like just need to get healthy or it feels ball. like they just need to play to the level of ability that they've played at pretty much their entire career. Or do you believe in these young kids that are new to the show that uh, are relatively unknown, but now they've been doing it for a month. Do you believe in them more? Because uh, Zach and I talked about this last week. You could pretty much do the math and it's a two horse race in the central. Like I think it was as of last week, the, the Cardinals had to win. This was me saying 86, 87 wins would not your ticket into the playoffs as the NL central winner. Cause that's kind of right where these uh, central leaders are at. Yeah. The Cardinals would have to win 75% of their games from last week. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. The Pittsburgh Pirates had to win over 63% of their games to get to 86-87 wins. That ain't happening. happening. The Chicago Cubs had to win 61% of their games to get to that 86-87 pace. That's not happening. Mm. That literally leaves the Reds and the Brewers 
They just have to continue to play at the pace that they are currently playing at. Now, the Reds have been really high for a month. Brewers Brewers were really hot in April and then ha- since then have been playing. I actually have it right here. Oh, here we go. I actually broke it down by month, so it's easier to talk about. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers in the month of March were 0-1. But that was one game. It was the opening game against yep. the Cubs. One day. April, they went 18 and 9. So if we're going to combine March and April, they want to combine 18 and 10. That's pretty darn good. May took a seat back. That was also where a lot of those uh, rookies, like Garrett Mitchell, done for the year. Uh, Weimer had his worst month. Terang had his worst month and ended up in, in AAA again. Yeah. 11 and 16. Month of June, 14. And 13. Currently in July, 6 and 3. Okay. So clearly they had that blowback in May, but that was when a lot of the young guys were really, really struggling. They have yet to get consistent performances from Willie Adamas, though I will say this as of late, he has been hitting better. I know his average last I looked was uh, in. I think it was right around 210 to 215. I think it was he's like 213. 213. He's 213. Well, that was under 200 a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So he's clearly been hitting the ball quite a bit better the last couple of weeks. Rowdy Telez oh. continues to still struggle. But you're starting to see signs hey, from, is back. from some of these guys. And Yelich, we, Zach and I also talked about this. He should have been an all-star. He got robbed. Yeah, he's uh, back. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. should not be an all-star over Christian Yelich. Purely just go look at the numbers. But, uh, yeah. Yelich is back. Can the Milwaukee Brewers get back to being healthy and some of the veterans play at the level that we expect them to? Yeah. Uh, I have a, I got a really interesting DM about a Christian Yelich apology form. I'll save that coming up here. Uh, line one, good morning. Who's this? Boys, how are we doing this morning? Vet. Vagabond Johnny, I'm on cloud nine. Wow, Always he returns. The dream. Our prodigal, our prodigal savior returns. That's right, baby. I missed you too. What's that? What's going on? Well, I'm uh, on my way uh, on the beautiful Beltline right now, headed to the airport to, uh, you know, head to uh, a city with some real baseball fans out in Washington D.C. Oh, so uh, okay. So Vagabond, I actually saw some of your tweets, and I was going to have it as a topic today. As you were, what, uh, two times in American Family Field uh, over the last week? Yeah, two times in American Family Field. So I go to a lot of sports, right? That's kind of, you know, when I travel for stuff, uh, obviously when I was a cheerleader, we travel all of the time. But I I just don't understand uh, a ballpark shutting down food and beverage in the sixth inning. So Uh, the game yesterday was really short, by the way, and they shut it down in the sixth inning? It was two hours and four minutes, and you know I'm with uh, I'm with the boys from Driftless. We did the party bus. So yeah. hand up, you know, <clears throat> if you want to push it back on the fans. I, no, I was not in my seat for the first pitch, but it's baseball, right? You don't expect it, but right. <clears throat> you know with this pitch clock stuff, you get in, you stand in line, you get one beer, you turn around, it's the fourth inning, and then you know you sit in your seats for two innings. You're like, all right, I finished my first uh, beer. Let me go get my eight dollar hot dog. And, uh, you know, you get out there and half the shops are starting to, to wrap up. And so then you go on an excursion, you realize, like, wow, the nut stores are shut down. The, the you know, can't get a hot dog. And I look at my watch and I'm like, we're like an hour and 20, an hour and 30 from the first pitch. <laughs> and they're shut down food. I'm like, I don't know, guys. I've like, been I, here I'm for an hour and a half. <laughs> these guys are, these guys are, are the experts, but. You know, vagabond, vagabond. Have you have you always yeah, been a big baseball? Are you a big baseball fan, or would you consider yourself a more casual fan? I like going to baseball games live. I like any live sports. A great time. Um, I am not a big. I'm not going to sit at home and watch on TV. So, for me, there are a lot of people out there that you know that's what they're competing against. They're competing the live seat where you get you know about 14 inches to sit your to sit your bum down on yeah. these you know nice sun-scorched seats versus the recliner. It's the battle that all live sports are going through right now. And for me right now, American fam, I was like, man, if you're in left field, I don't know uh, I don't know why you'd go to the game, get all through the parking and whatnot. I just, I don't know. I was very disappointed both times. <laughs> See, this is, this is why I asked you, because if, you know, Major League Baseball is kind of trying to cater to the, the more casual fan where they say, oh, the baseball games are too long. 
and then they bring in this pitch clock and it's it's sped up the games clearly. And now it sounds like you're almost saying that these games are too short. Two hours and well, four minutes. My man wants a hot dog. They're already closing it down in the sixth inning. He just got in there in the second. It, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough, you know, because you're competing against all these other activities that us here in Wisconsin, the beautiful state that we can go do. And I'm like, you know, if it's all going to be about the tailgating and uh, the game really doesn't matter, you know, then why don't I just tailgate my Princeton backyard? Well, I, Right. I mean, it's cheaper. You get the bathroom easier. It's, you know, two hours and four minutes is wild. That's... That was, I mean, we, we were pretty liquored up going in, but you know, time goes by pretty fast when you're, you know, how, how did the party bus go around. by the way, for a game that's only two hours long? Like, was it, did you, what well, obviously you preferred a little longer cause you were hungry, but I, I don't know. How'd you feel after the party bus? Were you like, I didn't even get as drunk as I thought I would or what? Oh no, we, we we took care of that. I forgot the name of the bar we stopped at. I guess you were the drift of social boys, so yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, we did. We had no we had no issues on that end. I mean, it was a, it was a great time. It was a great day. It was just kind of like you know, if you'd have done that for a Pax game or a Badger game or you know uh, some of these you know basketball game, you kind of expect it's an hour and a half long, so you kind of know what what you yeah. have going in. But to go to a baseball game, beautiful day, roof is open, and all of a sudden, you know, all the staff are kind of pushing you out in the eighth. Like, guys, let's, let's, uh, let's relax a little Hey, bit. but, hey, they want more money so they don't move away, you know? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you get a great great team this year. As Rowdy just mentioned, we really only one bad month. And in baseball, if you have one bad month and then the rest of the season's okay, you're going to take that. And they're having their second worst attendance, uh, attendance since, like, 2006. So they're not even cracking 30K per game despite, you know, having all these, uh, close games and we got a yeah. pretty good team, so kind of surprising. But um, yeah, when you when you experience it in real life, I'm interested to see what attendance looks like around the rest of the league. Because yeah. uh, why why go through that parking lot? Why sit and try? There's a time, you know, that game ended in the ninth all at one time. It was kind of close, so people kind of stayed. There's a chance that between in and out, you're spending more time in line trying to get in and out of the parking lot than you actually are in the game. Oh, yeah, totally. So. I also saw uh, Bill Michaels' old producer, Radio Joe. He was at the Brewers game yesterday. He said $11 for a high live, 21 for a double Captain Coke, 25 for helmet nachos, and they're saying the ballpark needs money for stadium repairs. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Vagabond, you the man, brother. Much love, Maybe homie. Figure out, how to, figure out how to fill up left field, guys. That's what <laughs> you really got to do. Or... Or spread those seats out a little bit so bigger guys like me don't have to, you know, rub knees with... Uh, <laughs> don't act like you don't like rubbing knees. Come on. Well, you know, it gets me going a little bit. But yeah, I'll, anyways, come, I'll come rub uh, knees with you at Drift of Social soon, okay? Yes, sir. We'll see you there. See you, buddy. Yeah, so I saw Vegamon Johnny uh, on Twitter saying all that stuff. It's like, the game was two hours and four minutes, and they were shutting down food and beverage in the sixth inning. It's like... I literally just got in here. Yeah. See, on, I was lucky. So the one game that I've been to uh, for the Brewers was actually a Cardinals-Brewers game, and it was on Easter Day. Yeah. That was back when the rule was still eighth inning. Eighth yeah. inning, yeah. Summer league in full swing. Bucks are 2-0. and They beat the Nuggets, then the Suns. Cool. Something I was interested in, though, is the, uh, the start of Owenby, the guy who was supposed to be bigger than LeBron James, the hype. His first game, he did diddly-poo. Guess what? I heard more about him with Britney Spears That's what I was than I to. heard anything about him playing. His first game, I think he scored like single digits. It wasn't much, and he got a, he got just owned. <laughs> and then he came back, and he scored 20-some um, last night or Saturday, whichever it was. But, Rowdy, you are right. I missed the slap by a day and a half. Jen and I had reservations at this restaurant called Catch in Aria. Yeah. I, we just, you know, went to Zion. So we had left. So we were literally standing right there where it all went down, where Wemby was walking with security guard guards. Britney Spears comes up, starts tapping him on the shoulder. The security guard backhands her in the face, knocks her glasses off. She stumbles backwards. There's a big to-do, and all of a sudden, all the security guards are beefing with each other. I missed the Britney Spears getting slapped by Wemby's security guard by a day and a half. It was right where we were. I just missed it. Oh, it would have been. God, I could have. Man, what could have been? Could have been there. I could. I, uh.
You could have been on the scene. My essence was there. I, I walked right. I was stood right in that spot where Britney Spears <laughs> got slapped. I just missed it. Damn it! Did you feel a disturbance in the force then when when it happened? Well. I think what happened was the Wemby security guard was like seeing Britney Spears' Instagram account where she has totally gone complete wackadoo. I think he's trying to knock some sense back into her. Oh, maybe. I, I think. Maybe. He did end up apologizing to her like five minutes later. <laughs> did you see the video? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but no. I don't think you can just go off slapping Britney Spears like that. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, but can Britney Spears go tap in Wemby like that. Just tap Apparently in. not. Literally tap. Yeah, but yeah she can't. <laughs> she cannot. She, she found out. She it's called F around and find out. <laughs> Clearly, she's not to the level she used to be. No. Who's more popular, Britney Spears or the number one pick for the Spurs, Wemby, Wembyana? Currently? Wemby. He stinks. Still more popular than Britney Spears. Man. Yeah, Britney Spears. Now, is this like an American like security team, or did he bring them no, over from France? Britney Spears is more popular than Wemby, but she is on the decline and, and fully down in this trench while he this is, is on the come up. Because obviously, if you were to take a poll on people across the world, they're going to know more people are going to know Britney Spears' yeah. name than this guy. But in 20 years. It might be reversed, but at this point, her name has more clout than his, even if he's supposed to be the next LeBron because she's just been there, done that. But a lot of her press these days are negative. She looks very loony. Thus, the slap, probably. Yeah. Like, get out of here. In 10, I don't even go 20 years. In 10 years, who will be more famous? Victor Wembayama or Britney Spears? I will put money on Britney Spears. Same. I think Wemby is going to be a bust. Yeah, Yeah. but you do know that. Greg Popovich and the Spurs did draft him, and you know they did have David Robinson and Tim Duncan. (laughs) (laughs) And this guy is supposed to be the next LeBron. But I just love how when guys like this, especially if they're from overseas, they come over here, and the dude is rail thin. I know. He weighs like 90 pounds, it looks like. You know, you're comparing the hype to LeBron, so you're only going to set up somebody to fail. It's like when you hyped up somebody next to Michael Jordan, most of them failed except for LeBron. And the one thing I remember about LeBron, when he came in at 18, he was the leader of the Cavs. He was a guy that at 18 could go get 20 points against, you know, uh, NBA vets. Victor Wembayama got two points against summer league players. And they're talking about, well, you know, he's got to grow into his body and he's got to develop. And he's, bu- yeah, but he's supposed to be can't miss. LeBron was can't miss. He came in against grown men and he, I don't know if he played summer league, but I know he played in the regular season and yeah. put up like 20 every game. I got to, I got to see this right here. And uh, there was no developing for him. He was 18. No, he just came in as the, he's a boss. He's the man. Here, here's a qu- Victor Wembayana. Uh, asked if he'll apologize to Britney Spears as he's mobbed by fans. I guess they make it look like an eye, like an eyeball that moves. It looks kind of like... Um, like you can't even hear anything. It's just yeah. him getting mobbed by fans. Asked if he'll he'll apologize. Well, he didn't slap her. It was his, his security guard. I don't know. Uh... What happened last night is uh, I saw the news, obviously, this, uh, this morning. I woke up to a couple of phone calls. And uh, uh, so yeah, there was a there was some something did happen a little bit when uh, I was walking with uh, with some security of the, the team to the to, to some restaurant. We were in a hall. There was a, a lot of people, so people calling me obviously. And there was one person one person who was uh, who was calling me, but uh, we talked before with the security. Don't stop because it's gonna make it's gonna make a, a crowd. So I, I couldn't stop. So that person was calling me, sir, sir. And that person grabbed me from behind. Grabbed. So, Did you uh, see the video? She tapped him on the shoulder. I didn't see, I didn't see what happened because I was walking straight and we told don't stop. But that person grabbed me from behind. <laughs> grabbed me. She literally just tapped him. It might have been like a tap. Too. It was like one finger tap on hey, his shoulder. He's not. And then what? He needs to develop. He's still pretty thin. Maybe a tap from a Britney Spears felt like someone forcefully grabbing him. Just tap. Tapperoo. And if that is true, it's going to be a long year in the NBA. Well, the NBA has gotten a lot softer. So Wemby maybe can, you know, work on getting... Look, she literally just tapped him on the shoulder, and then the screen card just backhanded the hell out of her. It was uh, interesting. Uh, line one, good morning. Hello. Yeah, Tommy here. Tommy! 
Hey, what's up, brother? The question is, can Britney Spears dunk? I I don't think so. So you know, no, she's like whatever. she's like five two. She's like she is she, she yeah. cannot dunk, Tommy. I don't even think she could dunk on she a lower. Have a three point. She doesn't have a three-point shot either. No. I, I just don't think she's going to make it. No, I don't, I don't think so either. <laughs> hey, I got to tell you a major tragedy in my sports paraphernalia collection. I, I was working on my tractor the other day. I got totally greasy, black, nasty stuff. I was going to get a rag from the rag bag. and My wife had torn up my Ted Thompson uh, no. shirt with the dollar bill on it. No. And it was, uh, you know, God in Ted we trust. And he's dead, so, Tom. Like, that was... I can't believe it that, uh, you know, that's gone. I mean, it was getting ratty, and it, it had paint spots on it, but well, I was still keeping it, you know? Damn. Well, t- cherish the memories you had with it, Tom. Yeah. I didn't trust him, but, the, you know, <laughs> it, was a, it was one of those things you guys gave me, and, you know, I was trying to believe. Yeah. Well, th- you know, don't cry because it's over, Tom. Just smile because it happened that you have that shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. And the other one is uh, – we won a one to nothing game yesterday. I'm talking about the Brewers here. Is that amazing? Yeah. One one to nothing. One to nothing. Wow. Uh, Yelly, wow. Yelly was talking about it after the game. He's like, "That's pretty rare these More days." More surprising that the Brewers won a one to nothing game, or that Wade Miley had eight strikeouts. Yeah, eight yeah, strikeouts. You know, that's interesting. But uh, I don't know, Tommy. You feeling days. this Brewers team, baby? You feeling it? Yeah, I kind of like sometimes your back kind of hurts a little bit. And you got to stretch it out, <laughs> same kind of thing. Some days yeah, it feels I better feel than them. others, yeah. I, I feel them. Some days I wake up feeling really good. Sometimes I feel kind of achy, and I think the birds are kind of achy. Yeah, but yeah. Their, uh, their mission is to get in the playoffs by a, a hair and then lose. You know, So that's what we're aiming at. Hey, you sound like you know Mark Anazio personally. <laughs> Anything more than that would be just amazing. <laughs> Let's not get too greedy, Tommy, okay? You guys have a good day. See you, brother. Nice to see you, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, so um, going into that game, every single start for Wade Miley, guess how many five-plus strikeout performances he's had? Two. One. Ooh. Uh, and then he gets his second one of the season yesterday against the Reds in a huge game they needed in the rubber match against the team they're competing against. Yeah. <laughs> Miley was asking, what are you going to do for the All-Star break? He goes, nothing crazy. Going to go home and fish with my son. All righty. Major League Baseball draft started. Brewers getting some uh, some hitters, a pitcher as well. And you also have the Futures game going on. And tonight is the home run derby. Where are you going to start? Futures? Uh, let's go back. Yeah, let's go back in uh, chronological order. So the Milwaukee Brewers had three minor leaguers uh, in the Futures game. And, and the Futures game is always the, you know, whatever level you're at. So this is like low A baseball to triple A. If you're a big time promising prospect, you can get the invite. To, so it could be a low A ball player playing against a triple A player. Yeah. But these are the guys that, you know, kind of uh, what baseball thinks are going to be the next promising stars, thus the futures game. Yeah. So Milwaukee had three players. Uh, the first one that I'll mention is Jefferson Quiero, which is their number three overall prospect. He was a catcher. Now, he is a kid that is currently playing in double A, and he's playing in double A as a 20-year-old catcher. So extremely young for the level that he's playing at. Uh, The next guy that I'll mention, their fourth overall prospect, Jacob Mizorowski, who is a right-hander. He is a 21-year-old pitching at high A. Now, he was the one that kind of stole the show. And then they also had, of course... Jackson Cheerio, their number one prospect uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. He was playing in the outfield. So just kind of the notes from the Futures game. So uh, we talk about some of the best prospects for the Brewers. Cheerio, unfortunately, 0 for 4 with, with two strikeouts. Come on, bro. But, I mean, it's one particular game, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jackson Cheerio did surface to double A at the end of last season, started in double A this season. Now he struggled like the first month, but has really been coming on since. Mm -hmm. Obviously this is one game against some of the top prospects in baseball. Uh, Not going to worry about it. Uh, Jackson Kiro, the catcher, he went one for two and actually had a, a big hit that did bring in a run for an RBI. So that was promising. 
But in the Futures game, the guy that stole the show um, for a lot of the game, but also for the Brewers, was Jacob Mizorowski, the pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Like I said, 21-year-old in high A. Guy's got a cannon on him or what? He came in and was lighting up the radar gun. Uh, He came in and obviously pitched quite well, but one thing that was really noticed was how hard he was throwing and the nasty off speed. So he struck out three in his inning of work, struck out the side, but he had an average fastball over a hundred miles an hour. Whoa, hell yeah. Yeah. And he also threw 10 of the fastest uh, 12 pitches in the game. Good for that. Hell so yeah. he's a brewer. Basically, this is like a all-star game for minor leaguers where only the best guys are invited or the guys with the most promising uh, upside. Yeah. And they noted how so many of these pitchers are throwing hard. Mm-hmm. And then it's the Brewers pitcher that comes in and throws 10 out of the 12 fastest pitches, strikes out the side in his inning, and also showed off some nasty breaking balls. And this is a kid, again, 21 years old, was a a first-round draft pick uh, not too long ago, and kind of stole the show, stole some headlines from the future game. Hell yeah. And honestly, out of the three prospects that were there, he was the third highest rated that the Brewers have had. Now, speaking of prospects, over the weekend also, you know, you have kind of like your MLB pipelines reorder yeah. the rankings of, of the prospects. So it, it kind of gives it a new facelift. The current top 100, the Brewers, they went from having uh a few players on because at one point when you looked, remember we were talking about the Brewers minor league system, yeah. How it was very top heavy. How they had like their top nine prospects were all drop, pretty good, yeah. and then the ten through thirty were all not as good as the standard league. But overall, they had a decent minor league system because of how top heavy the top nine were. Yeah, that was back when you had like Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang, Joey Weimer. You go right on down that list. Well, all of those guys have graduated from the prospect list because they've had over their number of at-bats. I believe it's like 100. Mm-hmm. So they've all graduated from those lists. All those guys were top 100 prospects in the past. Well, the Brewers now have five guys five. back in the top One, 100. Two, three, four, fifth. Five. As the uh, new rankings came out for the MLB pipeline, they now officially have Let's in their go. top five, obviously Jackson Cheerio. He comes in at, he is now the number three prospect in baseball, but, but? he's going to be moving up extremely soon because uh, Ellie De La Cruz will lose his prospect status <laughs> here shortly. Okay. And then uh, your top 100 prospects, Jackson Cheerio, who we know is number three. Yep. Baller. Sal Freelick, who we know is chopping at the bit in AAA, probably. Baller. Uh, might be up by the end of the season. He's 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 back from being injured, right? Correct. Yeah. He hurt his thumb right around the same time Keston Hira sprained his knee. Your number three prospect, Jefferson Kirio. Mr. Jefferson? The catcher that was in the Futures game is number three. Mm-hmm. The 20-year-old catcher in double-A. Jacob Mizorowski, the 21-year-old. Yeah, that stole the headlines, is also in the top 100. And then Tyler Black, a... Basically, an infielder that can play corner outfield, specifically play second and third base, got officially moved up inside the top 100. So the Brewers now have five players ranked in the top 100 for the prospect list. Only two other teams have five players in that top 100, and that's Baltimore and Los Angeles Dodgers. So uh, Brewers farm system getting a little bit of a bump here all of a sudden. And uh, it's kind of cool to see, especially because the Brewers did graduate so many top 100 prospects to the big leagues. Now, I think a lot of Brewer fans are saying, yeah, well, top 100, great. They haven't done anything at the big league level. I get it. But But uh, you'd rather have them than not. Yeah, you'd rather have them than not because, one, when they finally get there, more opportunities for at least one or two to pop. And, two, if you end up trading them, they have more perceived value. And then speaking of draft picks, obviously the draft got started last night for Major League Baseball. The Milwaukee Brewers, With well, they made 18? 
Three selections. Yeah, 18, Brock, Brock Wilkin. Wilkin. Wake Forest, third, third baseman. baseman. Now, this is the big, big power bat. stick. Yeah, he, he's the big, big-time stick. Six foot four. He has a 70 grade for raw power and how they grade on, uh, you know, like a minor league, major league baseball prospect. It's 80 to 20. Mm -hmm. So if if somebody, you know, listening to the radio that never played baseball before was going to get graded and they threw, they'd probably have an arm of a 20. Like, that's just how the grades come out. 80 is like, you know, all timer. 80 is Z and the D if he's listening, right? He's got 70 graded power. That is extremely high. That is a. Well, this a, dude, he set an ACC record for career home runs. He bashed 71 during his time in Wake Forest, uh, Forest including 31 this spring. Yeah, I was going to say it this the spring. Mauler. He hit 345. You mentioned the 31 home runs, 15 doubles. Um, he's a guy that's going to be, if it trans, you know translates to the big leagues at some point he's a guy that they're going to be expecting to be a power hitting third baseman but then in the competitive balance round uh they did draft a pitcher josh i want to say it's knoth it's a high schooler out of new york don't know as much about him but obviously he's got to be perceived as pretty good to be basically uh, a late first-round pick. Josh Noth is the K-Silent. K-N-O-T-H is the K-Silent. Here's the thing. Once he's good, if he's good, then we learn his name. Then the second round with the 54th overall pick, Brewers go back to that third base well. Mike Boivy. Hey, Boivy. I, I, I could be butchering that last name, Nailed but it. he's out of Nebraska, Omaha, and he is the complete polar opposite of Brock Wilkin, the third baseman out of Wake Forest. Brock Wilkin is the huge 6'4", big-time slugger that's hit all these home runs and hit all these doubles. It's not that uh, Boivy isn't a big slugger or anything like that, but power really isn't his game. He's not a huge home run hitter. He's not this huge slugger, but he's a big contact guy. Yeah, He played uh, at Nebraska Omaha last year. He had over 220 Omaha. plate appearances. Guess how many times he struck out? How many? Nine. Damn. <laughs> this dude doesn't <laughs> wow. strike out. No. So it feels like the Brewers are sitting here going, well, we don't really have a great third baseman in our system. Yes, I know Taylor or Tyler Black, who just got a top 100 prospect status, can play third base, but he's more of a second baseman, corner outfielder, uh, third baseman. He's kind of like a an Owen Miller, Brian Anderson, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he can play multiple positions. It looks like they're trying to finally get a third baseman Let's again go, because baby. you draft the huge power hitter in round one, and then the big time contact, uh, you know, more of a doubles type hitter in round two. Looks like they're trying to fortify the third base and say, you know what, we're going to draft one of each, yeah. and we're going to hope one can rise to the big leagues and be a big, legit player. Fingers crossed. And I hope it's that guy that mashes home runs. And yeah, that's sick. that's kind of the uh, the Brewers farm system over the weekend. A lot going on with the Futures game, the new top 100 releases, and obviously the draft being, well, starting yesterday and continuing on today. So uh, more Brewer news down on the farm. So even though that top 100 prospect list got a changeup, once uh, all this draft goes through, probably going to have another changeup here shortly, and you're going to see a lot of the higher picks fall somewhere in your yeah. top 30. And then on Saturday, Rowdy, uh, was the appearance of Aribe uh, coming up. And that's another one. Abner Aribe. So he's interesting because he he's a guy that, yeah, he throws hard. Yeah. And he was a guy that actually last year, the Milwaukee Brewers were probably going to pull up to the big league level around the same time that they grabbed um, Garrett Mitchell, mm -hmm. kind of that late August, September. He would have been like a call-up guy because he was something where you could add him to the bullpen. He's a guy with 100-plus mile-an-hour heat. He's a guy that throws a nasty breaking ball when he's on. He's, got some he's just young, and he's got control issues. And by control issues, it's saying he walks too many people at too high of a clip. But when he's on, he's absolutely nasty. He's and in spring, 
he probably earned a spot on this major league roster, but they had so many guys that were at that triple a big league quadruple a level that they had to keep as many guys as possible knowing that they needed fresh arms. And I think hindsight 2020, it was a great thing for the brewers that they did keep everyone how they did. And guys with options were sent down to triple a or guys that had already had triple a, uh, they kept them there because look how many relievers they've went through. Look, how, look how many guys they've shuttled back and forth between AAA and Major League Baseball, and even a couple they had to DFA. Yeah. Uh, so I think they made the right call on Abner Rebay, but yeah, he was planning on being up last year for September call-ups, but he tore his meniscus in his knee last year and would wasn't available. Now we're getting to see him. He came in, did throw down a, a shutdown inning, and uh, hopefully that is an electric arm here to stay in Milwaukee. Yeah, he had some nasty, nasty to him on Saturday. Unfortunately, the Brewers did lose on Saturday, but they did take the series. They won Friday and won nothing yesterday. Wade Miley. Woo! If there's anything that watching the Milwaukee Brewers in this bullpen has told me the last couple of weeks, they need this break. Yeah, and I, I would honestly prefer that Devin Williams doesn't oh. pitch in the All-Star game. By the way, when I was gone, Matt Bush got DFA'd? Yeah. Yeah. After he totally blew it against the Pirates? I got three messages within 30 seconds of him blowing that game out in Pittsburgh. DFA his All ass. of them saying the same thing. DFA Matt Bush now, and then their wishes were... I mean, the Brewers' Their command. Wishes, I mean, wishes, they, the Craig Council and the Brewers' command. Yeah, they, Matt Arnold. They did it literally later that night. Said, hey, you're Matt F. and Bush, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're F. out of here. Well, another See guy later. that got DFA'd over the weekend, too, Mike Brasso. Now, yeah. he, he cleared he cleared, he cleared waivers right? and is back in AAA. But, yeah, lots of DFAing going on here for the Brewers and their uh, roster. A home run derby tonight. Uh, you got some uh, going for the Razor's Edge, as there's really not, not much to, to, to bet on. But going to the Razor's Edge, remind the folks who you got, what you got. As- yeah, so we're going to take two people from the Derby. Going to go with Adonis Garcia, Texas Ranger product. Going to take him to win the Derby at plus 700. Then the other guy, like Randy Arozarena, to win the Derby at plus 950. Now, I understand these two are matching up in the first round. I just believe that whoever wins this matchup probably has the best shot at winning. And then when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, if you put a unit on Garcia and he wins at plus 700 and you put a unit on Randy Rosarena and obviously he has to lose, you're only eating, you know, one unit, right? So you're still up six units on Adolis Garcia. Mm-hmm. Same thing if you did that for Rosarena and, and he won. Obviously, you would still be up eight and a half units if Rosarena won, if you also wagered on Garcia. So you you can kind of hedge a little bit here with these two guys. Now, I get you would probably prefer to have, you know, one guy on each side, which means they could meet in the finals. And that that's all well and good. But you look at these odds here. I like a lot of the Cubans. I think the Cubans fit this pretty well. Luis Robert Jr., obviously, that is a an outfielder for the White Sox. He probably would have been the third guy that I would have wagered, but he's at plus 400. I'm just sitting here and, and thinking, if I can get Garcia and a Rosarena, and I can bet them both, and at worst-case scenario, if one wins, I can still get plus 600, those are still better odds than Pete Alonzo, Vlad Jr., Rob, uh, Robert Jr., Rodriguez, like that's and, that that combination is still fifth behind those top four. And Pete Alonso's got a messed up wrist, right? He like he came back early from having a bad wrist, and he's for the most part for Pete Alonso, especially with the batting average, he's been down. Plus, what do we know though? Pete Alonso is a two time champion. No, yeah. he he is a guy that everyone when they think and he made the finals last year too. When they think Derby. They think Pete Alonso, or, right? No, Rodriguez made the finals last year. Guerrero made the finals in 2019. And Alonso's the two-time champ. Yeah, but everyone knows Pete Alonso's yeah, good so at the, the Derby. So be clearly juiced. he's the favorite, and there's not as much value on him. And I already know he's got a bad wrist. Check that off. Sure. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Now, I understand this is an exhibition, right? It's just uh, you know somebody out there throwing it 60 miles an hour and letting you just smoke the ball. 
But in real life, that really hasn't transferred over to Vlad Jr. Vlad Jr. kind of having a down, disappointing year when you look at his production. Uh, you know, he's hitting a home run, one every almost 27 at-bats. He's, you know, he also plays in a hitter-friendly park up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Now, Alonzo... Uh, this is going back to Alonzo. He is ahead of the class. Like he's averaging just under 12 for every 12 at bats, a home run. And he plays at a tougher ballpark. You look at the ballpark that it's going to be held in T-Mobile T-Mobile. Well, T-Mobile is actually a ballpark that is pretty average across major league baseball for both righties and left-handed hitters. But there is just a slight, just a slight advantage for a right-handed hitter because in a derby again they're throwing at 60 miles an hour there's most guys are going to be hitting the home runs to their pole field which if it's slightly easier or home runs come slightly easier for right-handed hitters to left field i would be looking at a right-handed hitter now if you go right down and through the entire uh eight guys (laughs) unfortunately that really didn't eliminate anybody because they're all oh, right-handed hitters, except for Adley Rushman, who's a switch hitter. But I went through and dug through his statistics, and he's actually pretty split yeah. on his power production between being a left-handed and right-handed hitter. So they're really, if if there was one that you could maybe cross off, it would maybe be Rushman. So that little fact was kind of thrown out. Thought, man, maybe we got a nugget here. Well. Let me ask you, Julio Rodriguez. Like this is his home stadium. It is his home stadium, and he, you know, he warms up there. He takes batting practice there so many times a year. Um, he also hit thirty-two homers in the first round last year. When no other player hit more than twenty-four, would a Julio Rodriguez be something you'd be interested in? See, because I mean, that's his that's his home base, and that's that's the other thing that I think a lot of people probably think. It's like, oh, they got the storylines right. Yeah. It's a guy in his home ballpark, and he could very well win. I, you know, yeah. it's called gambling. I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> if I did, I'd have a it's lot called, of money. It'd be called it winning if you knew what it yeah. was. But yeah, I think a lot of people will will bet on Alonzo because he's the multiple time champion. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will also bet on Julio Rodriguez because of that uh, exact angle. And if you look at Rodriguez, I mean, he's a guy that has hit a home run every 28 plus at bats. That is by far the worst in the field. Mm-hmm. Now, again, this is a exhibition, you know, guy throwing 60, not guys throwing curveballs, sliders, 100 yeah. miles an hour. But, yeah, he did have the worst home run rate out of everyone in the entire thing. That's even Rushman, who I think is is probably one of my lesser favorites here. And even <laughs> Vlad Jr., who hasn't had a great year, but he profiles as a great home run derby champ. The reason why I actually really liked uh, Garcia and Randy Arozarena. So Garcia is actually averaging a home run roughly every 15 at bats. Mm -hmm. That was actually uh, technically fourth out of the eight, but Pete Alonso's one makes sense. Mookie Betts is two, but I went through and I looked at Mookie. This is his first year of doing the home run derby, right? It's his first year doing it. But another thing with Mookie Betts is he plays in a hitter friendly park in LA. Mm -hmm. He actually for a right-handed hitter like Mookie Betts is it's an above average park for home runs and the uh, home run rate there. If 1.00 is average was 1.21, which was by far the highest, easiest rate for a right-handed hitter per ballparks, a.k.a. I think because he's in a more right-handed hitter-friendly ballpark, yeah. his numbers are a little uh, increased. And and obviously you can see his inflated home run numbers during the regular season. They aren't really respecting that when it comes to his odds because he has one of the lesser odds looking at it. He's actually second to worst, only better than Adley Rushman. Uh, you look at uh, the guy that was fourth in batted balls uh, for home runs per uh, at bats. Roberts, Luis Roberts for the White Sox comes in just over 13. He's just behind Alonzo and Mookie Betts, but 
Roberts also plays in an above average right-handed hitter park down in Chicago on the south side where he's hitting more home runs because he's in an easier park for a right-handed hitter to hit home runs. He actually played in the third easiest stadium behind Mookie Betts and behind Rushman. So I think Roberts' numbers might be a little inflated as well. But this this gets me to... uh, the two guys that I like Adonis Garcia. He plays in Texas. I get it. It's hot and the ball in the summer can really jump, but he's hit a home run one every 15 at bats, which is good enough for middle of the road of all the contestants. He also, he plays where right-handed hitters. The average, like I said, is 1.00. He's at, 0.96. So it's actually been the, the Texas stadium in Arlington has actually been playing slightly tougher league wide for right-handed hitters to hit it out. And in comparison, T-Mobile is actually slightly above. So I think that there's some value there. And then, like I said, with Randy Rosarena, uh, playing in Tropicana sucks. It sucks for employees. It sucks for fans. It sucks for everyone there. It sucks for people hitting. The only thing, the only people that it doesn't suck for are pitchers because it is an extremely hard ballpark with a bad hitter's eye. And also, it plays extremely hard to hit home runs. That's why I like Randy Arozarena. This dude is technically fifth out of the eight contestants in home run rate, one every 19 roughly at bats. Yeah. But. He's hitting in a below average park for a right-hander, and that average where, again, 1.00 was an average ballpark for uh, power numbers. Mm -hmm. He was hitting in the toughest ballpark, and his number was .86. So by far, the only two that actually played in a tougher ballpark than average was Garcia and Arozarena, yet they still both come in at roughly the 50 percentile of the eight guys when it comes to home run rates, yet they were playing in the tougher stadiums. And they're two guys that are, are uh, I, I just really like the Cubans. If I, Like I said, if I had to wager a third one, it probably would have been on Luis Roberts Jr., so I'm, I'm, I'm all You're heavy invested in the Cuba heavily on the Cubanos. Rowdy is in on the Cubans. But will yeah, you, will think, you order a Cuban sandwich today for lunch? No. Oh, so you're not that probably leftovers. Okay. <laughs> but if they win or at least one of them wins, then I'm maybe thinking for lunch tomorrow right. could be a thing. If that happens, um, I, if I will buy Cuban sandwiches for us tomorrow, if that uh, indeed is the case. And then there's this Rowdy, the longest home run in the, yes. And I was just going to say, Normally, they like to kind of have it split this year for participants that accepted it. Only two National League guys. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mookie Betts and Pete Alonso are the only two National League guys. Everyone else is in the AL. Mm-hmm. And how about this? Longest home run in the Derby is set at 483 and a half feet. Uh, the longest homer last year was in Dodger Stadium, 482 from Juan Soto. Pete Alonso also hit one 480, another 478. So you could assume we could be up against that total. Um, we should. Uh, CBS says then also we need to toss out all the 500 plus foot shots at Coors Field in 2021 for obvious reasons. Uh, Vlad hit one 476 in 2019. That was the longest homer, and then in 2018 it was 473. So 483 and a half is the set for the home, longest home run in the Derby tonight. So the Derby is going to be roughly what time? It starts at five local time. So it'd be three, three in Seattle. And during the day, they don't go as far. Yeah, and it's supposed to be about 70 degrees, it's looking like. And they have a south-south wind at about eight miles an hour. I wish I had the stadium, but the uh, one of the dot-coms I use for stadium weather, of course, doesn't have it up because it shows no games. Of course. So I... Uh, the StatCast Park Factor, T-Mobile Park is slightly below average for home runs, which you're talking about, and it gets tougher during the day. The event starts at 5 local time. While it ends at night, the first round will be in bit of the day window, and that's before the players start to get gassed in the later rounds. So there you go. Well, you're a betting man, Rowdy. 483.5 feet over under. What do you take? See, this was down because earlier you clearly the weather is not cooperating. Uh, it looks like... Dude, it's looking. 
Uh, no, I'm just uh, scrolling this article, like for the weather on yeah, Monday. Right. Yeah, they're saying high of 71. Uh, looks like they could be getting uh, wind gusts up to 18 miles an hour. Not saying if it's in the face or to the back. Yeah. Which obviously that's quite a bit of it 18 miles an hour to your back is a lot different than uh, to in your face. If it's at my back, I'd take the over. But I do remember that um, I saw a prop. I think it was when they first came out that the longest home run would be over or under four ninety eight and a half. So that's come down fifteen feet. Damn, yeah, weather related. Which I think uh, doing some deductive reasoning here. If there's going to be wind in your face, or they're not thinking as many home runs, I feel like you're going to kind of want to be on someone that's the uh, lesser favorite. Yeah, totally. Because now you're saying it's even harder and even more unpredictable. <laughs> I want to be on somebody with longer odds because who the hell knows who's going to win? No doubt. No doubt and about I, it. That's why I do like Garcia and Rosarena coming in there with the fifth and sixth best odds out of the eight guys. Home run derby tonight. I saw David Bakhtiari put this out there. Uh, and the David Bakhtiari started trending on Twitter, and people started to call him a conspiracy theorist, uh, no better than the the Q anonymous uh, folk, because David Bakhtiari uh, tweeted out this. If you haven't seen Sound of Freedom, I highly recommend it. It is a must-see. So raw and so real about what is happening around the world and even in the States. Now, Rowdy, Sound of Freedom, that was the new Mel Gibson-produced uh, movie with Jim... I, I always butcher his name. He played Jesus in Passion of the Christ. Jim Cavazio, something like that. Uh, you saw the Which, movie. Which, by the way, I've seen both. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Passion of the Christ. What a... Oofta. He, uh, let's just say, unrecognizable, in my opinion. Yeah. I never would have guessed the lead like government agent in Sound of Freedom was Jesus from Passion of the Christ, unless you knew the actor's name. <laughs> Unrecognizable. I don't even think he's really been in anything since Passion of the Christ. Yeah, he's been canceled. Until this. So you saw the movie yesterday. Now, David Bakhtiari said people should go see it. It's a good movie. And I also read some reviews of... So Rolling Stones, they basically said anyone that watches it is basically QAnon. Like, they... The anonymous, the Q. Well, I mean, I think it's been known for a while now that Rolling publications Stone, like Rolling Stones can go kick rocks. Rolling Stones also told everyone to go watch the Cuties movie, which sexualized 12-year-olds, like, which is bizarre and disgusting in all of itself. Like, everyone, go and watch this. But if you go see this other movie, Sound of Freedom, you are a conspiracy theorist and QAnon and you're, you're Russian disinformation, all the jargon nonsense that literally makes no sense anyways. Rowdy, you saw the movie. I did. Are you on the David Bakhtiari front? Yes. If you haven't seen I it, think go, it's, uh, highly recommend it. Pretty, pretty sad that uh, a lot of that is going on currently, and clearly we know like there are kids that disappear every single year, whether that be in this country or other countries, and with some of the, let's just say, news that has come out in the last decade plus mm-hmm. of, we'll just say, People with political status, people with elite royalty status. Well, just go look at Bill Clinton yeah. on the Lolita Express of being uh, linked Jeffrey Epstein. to this type of stuff. And then the Jeffrey Epstein stuff blowing up, what was that, a few years ago now? Yeah. Uh, but, clearly it's happening. Yeah. Clearly. It's, it's just that us normal people, us regular people, just think it is so incredibly disgusting and off-putting that it's not talked about and kind of just swept under the rug. Exactly how the people that do it would, would want it to Just be. look at that, that, the Maxwell, Jolene Maxwell. She's the first person to ever be indicted in sex trafficking and all the underage and, and just despicable stuff. But there's been no one else that, like, who got even charged with anything. It's just funny that so a lot of... So she did it all for these people, but none of these people got any charges? A lot of the... Normal, average, everyday person just can't imagine that this is such a widely popular or known thing. Yeah. Because it is very disgusting and gross. And then you have uh, some of the people that are totally against it, that are out there against the movie itself. Yeah. And being out there and everything. But then you kind of just sit there and it turns out because, you know, everything comes out with time Mm -hmm. that, uh, those people are either connected to said people and or 
Yeah, maybe they maybe they like the content in which they're watching. So look bizarre. at the CNN producers. Yeah, I mean, look, just look at Jeffrey Epstein, and everyone linked to him. Bill Clinton was on the plane twenty six times. I mean, <laughs> what do you think he was doing on that island? I don't think he was campaigning for any office spots. I'll tell you that. Yeah, so bizarre. Um, so, yeah, would you say what would you give out of ten the movie? I'd say just to go watch it, just because it it is interesting. It will open up your eyes. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll check it. David Bakhtiari was on it. He, they're trying to cancel him now on Twitter for saying go watch a movie. It's so bizarre. Burn had a great weekend. Enjoy your Monday. Another beautiful day. So it did rain while I was gone last week, Rowdy. Did a couple days. But not as much as I think a lot of people originally thought. Yeah, I know the farmers out there desperately need some. I will say this. I have not mowed since the end of May. It's kind of been nice. I'm not going to lie. I don't think it's really rained much since then. No, it it hasn't. The yard is struggling, I'll tell you that much. But I have not mowed since the last weekend of May because I did not fully participate in No Mow May. I'm like, no, I need to mow the yard. I have not yet mowed. Crazy. Wild. I've been out in the lake, though, uh, the past couple days. That was nice after being in the desert. Uh, but, Rowdy, right now we're in this, like, in this lull of the NFL. Not really much going on, obviously. Uh, the biggest news is uh, people trying to cancel David Bakhtiari for him saying, go see the Sound of Freedom movie. Like, it's a movie, people. Like, uh, okay. Uh, Guy Fieri is now, they're trying to cancel Guy Fieri. Did you see this one, Rowdy? Because uh, he uh, shook hands with Donald Trump over the weekend. So did Joe Rogan. Yeah. So um, did multiple mil- UFC fighters. Yeah. Uh, now Guy Fieri of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives is now on the uh, we're coming for you list for the for the Looney Tunes people. Uh, they're also, co- speaking of canceling people, and since a lot of what you're talking about was actually surrounding the UFC event yeah. over the weekend, um, it's kind of funny because there's a little bit of beef between a couple of fighters. One was on the card, and one is Israel Adesanya. Yeah, and I don't know if you've heard about this or not. What was the What was the beef about? So Israel Adesanya is the champ. Yeah, he's right? a beast. He he is the champ that has run through that division and pretty much owned it for the most part. And then when he went up a weight class, he he got knocked out once, but did come back and and basically avenge his loss. Yeah. Well, the thing is that middleweight division is starting to get boring because Israel Adesanya has cleaned everyone out. Like clearly the second best guy in the division used to be Robert Whitaker, but Robert Whitaker would get his ass absolutely stomped <laughs> whenever he fought Israel Adesanya. Uh-huh. But then anyone else that they would kind of line up with him he would beat them. So it's like, well, they're not even worthy, but no one wanted to see Robert Whitaker get his ass kicked a third time against Izzy. Yeah. Well, they had this one guy that's kind of got a bunch of power, but he's pretty raw. Dracus Duplesis, and he's out of South Africa. I did see this. Um, Dana White smashed uh, some reporter asking about, like, what was Because he said in an interview leading up to this fight with Robert Whitaker, oh, by the way, he did knock out Robert Whitaker, so therefore he's probably the next guy in line to get a title shot with Izzy. Yeah. Dracus DePlease is from South Africa. Yeah. Dracus DePlease is what most people would consider white. Yeah. He's a white South African. Yeah. And Anasani's from Nigeria. He is originally from Nigeria, but then moved to, is it Australia, New Zealand, one of the two, as a kid, right? Yeah. He says he is clearly the African champ, and people were freaking out. Well, he's Af- isn't he not African? <laughs> yes. He's born and raised, lives and trains in South Africa, but people were freaking out that he said he's the true African. Well, he's... He's he and then he then he said because Kamara from Us, South Africa Kamara Usman who used to be the longtime reigning <laughs> champion at welterweight yeah he obviously his family originally from Nigeria they moved here quite a while ago he wrestled here he wrestled in college here and obviously he still lives here and competed in the UFC and was a longtime welterweight champion but then when you talk about some of these guys. It's like, hey, he's originally from Nigeria, though he's spent literally 
at least half of his life, if not more, in the U.S. Yeah. Kind of the same thing with Izzy, but like in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Dupuis says, I'm the true African champ because I am from South Africa. He's African. I live in South Africa, and I train in South Africa. Yeah. But people were upset that he said he was the true African. Brody, and Dana White said, this is all BS from the media. What continent is South Africa in? <laughs> it's in Africa. Wouldn't that then make you an African? Correct, and he was born there, <laughs> raised there, like, trains there. Like, huh? What? A, uh, huh? Yes, he is. But <laughs> that's why it's hilarious. I saw. It, I did see it. I was scrolling Twitter, and I saw Dana White, Dana White, blast reporter for racism He's question. Like, Wait, what? People, people care about that. He goes, "That's all a bunch of BS," and he just shuts it down hard. Yeah, but, I mean, it, uh, what what is the guy supposed to say? I, th- I saw the press conference where Adesanya like called him as like mocking him, saying, "Yeah, yeah, my African brother." And the guy goes, "Yeah, I'm African, but I'm not a brother of yours." <laughs> and then Dana White's like, "I got to deal with all this from these reporters now that are trying to spin some nonsense for clicks and likes." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's from Africa. Yeah, what is he supposed to say? I don't know. I am. Um, that would be like me saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Uh, technically, I can't say I'm an American. I got to say I am. I am um, technically, I guess, American, but by way of like uh, from one side British I, Isles and the other side like Norway. It doesn't even make like, sense. Like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> like was he supposed to say? Yes, I am African, but by way of insert European country. The world has lost their mind over it's like it is so absurd and mind boggling and dumb. So now there is now there's a little drama between that fight. Like that, that's the drama. Dana White can say, you know, out to everybody that this is just stupid and it's it's a you know buzzed up by the media and it's dumb and it's yeah. nonsense. But you know, in the back of his mind he goes this is perfect. This is going to draw a buzz. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now we can make the, he beat Whitaker. We can make this a title fight now. And it'll be for, I guess for the continent of Africa. Yeah. <laughs> but he can't say he's from there. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's yeah. All right. There you go. You have that. Is that going down this weekend? No, that so Dupuis, up, right? he just he just won his fight against Whitaker, but that will be probably in six months. We'll oh, get a, okay. So all of this, we're gonna get even more, yeah, into we'll, the thick we'll, of things. We'll pro- they'll probably match make him and Adesanya because that just seems about right with his win over Whitaker, and he was an up and comer already. So yeah, this will be thrown back out there in about <laughs> six months. <laughs> It'll be recycled. Hey Dana White, what do you think of your fighter uh, being a racist? Um, what do you mean? Yeah, he said he's African. Well, he was born in South Africa, which, you know, resides in, I don't know, Africa. (laughs) Oh, man, too funny.